you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, this is God's Word. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I grew up my earliest years, my elementary years, in the suburbs of Chicago, in a church where there were a lot of precious people who loved Jesus, believed the Bible was true, and were serious about reaching the world for Christ. They invested generously, not only financially in missions, but they sent one another overseas. So many people from that church ended up going into international missions. It was quite amazing. And so as a child, I had friends my age that I would see whenever they came back to the States to visit because they were serving God in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, in South America. I mean, all over the place. 
And the reason was because people need to know about Jesus. And there are places all around the world where people still haven't heard. But there was another aspect of that church that was not as healthy. It wasn't just that church. It was part of a subculture in America and in some other parts of the world that displayed a very human tendency to want to add to what God says and make rules to follow so that if you keep these rules, everything's good between you and God. And if you don't keep these rules, well, then clearly you are not following God. The problem is they weren't God's rules, okay? Is it okay to go to a movie theater to see a film? Well, not in that church. Not in that subculture. Not in that time. Ladies' fashions. They weren't still wearing outfits from the 1500s or the 1700s, but they made it a point to stay a little behind whatever the trends were, so they didn't look worldly. Makeup, ladies, please, you don't want to look seductive, so just leave it alone, okay? They were into the natural look before it was popular. Smoking? Oh, well, absolutely not. I mean, no way. And alcohol? Absolutely not. And gambling? Absolutely not. And uh, let's see, anything else we could come up with? Oh, yes, what about television? Eventually, it got where it was okay to have a TV, but you had to really limit what you watched. I'm going to tell you something. I'm so much better off because of a whole lot of those rules that basically just got coded into me. But my parents, God bless them. Dad was the pastor and trying to lead a flock that was always rules-oriented because that's what they'd been taught at places like Moody when my parents went to Moody or at Wheaton. Do you know that it was still not allowed to go to movies at Wheaton when I was college age? I didn't know you went to Wheaton. I didn't. I went to a school where it was allowed to go to movies. Gordon, sister school to Wheaton. But I didn't go there so I could go to movies. I could easily follow the rules at a place like Wheaton or at a church like Harvard Avenue Bible Church. Because the rules to me, if you grow up with it, didn't seem all that oppressive. But I didn't want to be in an environment where people said they would follow the rules and then didn't follow them. Understand? I chafed against that. That's why I said no to Wheaton and yes to Gordon. And I told the folks at Wheaton that. And I don't say that to denounce Wheaton. At Gordon, whatever the rules were, they got bent. Now, why are you telling us all this? Because 
Most of you cannot imagine what it's like to live in a subculture where there are all these rules to follow until you come to Where's Valley Range. And when you get here, you find out that in addition to what God says, we've got some rules we want you to follow. We want you to take off your shoes before you go in the house. You need to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You even need to wear a lined one-piece swimsuit in the summer. Okay? So, Pastor Wood, are you up there to now announce the handbook? And No. Please note that in our handbook, we go to great lengths in order to say, folks, these rules that we're asking people to live by here in this community are not God's rules. They don't contradict God's rules. They just make it easier for us to do community together and not have all kinds of problems. Let's talk about lined swimsuits, for example. Okay? Because that's an easy one. Can you be a Christian female and wear a two-piece swimsuit? Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess... uh, it doesn't say in the Bible. But it, but it does say in the Bible that modesty is a good thing. Yeah. And modesty has to do not just with swimsuits, but it has to do with your speech. We're number one! We're number one! Oh. I'm, we're pretty good. <laughs> it has to do with not trying to wear such fancy stuff, the fine attire that would cause people to be like, wow, look at that dress, look at that necklace, wow. It's basically, modesty is about not trying to draw attention to yourself in an inappropriate way, okay? Now, if... if, The building's on fire. It's okay to draw attention to yourself, but you're supposed to divert that attention then to the fact that the building's on fire. But otherwise, you and I should seek not to be saying, hey, look at me. Hey, did you hear what I did? Hey, have you seen this? Watch. You and I, in this community, have some rules to follow regarding alcohol, regarding tobacco, regarding things, that we think you'll have a much better life if you don't mess yourself up with a bunch of bad stuff. We even want you to wash your hands before you eat. But this hand-washing that is being referred to here was not just getting your hands clean. It was a ceremony. It was a religious ceremony, but it was not one that was prescribed by God. It was one that the people, the religious leaders, had come up with. And if you learned the rules, you were in good standing. Okay, that's very good, very good. If you're walking through a field on a Sabbath day, you don't want to be guilty of work. So you don't even pick any grains, uh, any heads from the grain and go like this in order to get a little snack. But Jesus' disciples did that, and these guys had confronted him about that. Hey, they're working. Jesus didn't give in to that nonsense. And here he doesn't give in to this nonsense. There's a group that comes to him. 
This is a group that is looking for something to criticize, okay? And that is what we see over and over when the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, even the Sadducees, confronted Jesus. They had cooked up something that they could criticize. If you're looking for something to criticize, if you're looking for something to complain about, you can always come up with something, even if it's bizarre and stupid. But these folks came to Jesus not with some deep spiritual concern. They were just frustrated because Jesus is doing miracles. Crowds are following him, and he's not following their rules. And so they come, and they say, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. They don't do the ceremony. Jesus said, I'm sorry, these are country boys. They don't know the rules. No, that's not what he says. He says, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And he cites an example that had to cut. Because you see, the Jewish leadership had come up with the idea that while God says you're supposed to honor your father and mother and you're supposed to love your family and take care of them, if you will take whatever would have been used to take care of your family, if you'll take that instead and give it to the temple, say, I've decided to give this to, uh, to God. Then the folks who ran the temple said, that's okay, you don't have to take care of your family. <laughs> okay, because we get the money. Jesus had already said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve God and money. And what was very, very evident was that those who were running the temple, they served money. Mammon was their God. Power was their God. And so, Jesus asked them, why do you set aside the command of God in order to do what you want with your traditions. And then he said, I mean, just that question, cut. But then he says this, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Let me ask you some questions. Students and staff, where's Valley Ranch? Can you be a Christian and wear a two-piece swimsuit if you're a lady or a girl? Can you? Yes. Can you be a godly Christian and wear a two-piece swimsuit? Yes. Can you be a modest Christian and wear a two-piece swimsuit? Actually, I'd say yes. But I would say some people, in some swimsuits, it would not be modest. Okay? And sometimes, when young people are growing as young people do, and their bodies are changing, 
what would be modest on this person at the beginning of the swim season would not be modest on that person at the end of the swim season. You understand what I mean? If two young ladies got the same swimsuit from the same store, it might be fine on this one and not fine on that one. And I don't think I have to give you any more details. Do you understand? So we just say, hey, go with a lined one-piece swimsuit. And we had to add the fact that it needed to be lined because we had a precious mentor one time who came up out of the water to greet me and it looked like she was wearing body paint. Are you following this? I mean, some of you are like, I don't know if we're supposed to respond to this. I'm going to keep my face. I'm I'm just going to keep my face totally, uh, just poker face here. Okay? I, I was very glad that she was enthused about seeing me. Okay? But after a brief greeting, I left, went up to the house, and said, uh, Susan, we have to change the rule. Uh, it's not just a one piece swimsuit that we need, it's a lined one piece swimsuit. Okay? You understand? So, why? Because we tell everybody to take off their shoes when they come in the house. Because that's easier than saying, everybody, be sure to check your shoes for dirt and mud and manure before you come into the house. Because some people won't remember to do that. And if only one in 12 people tracks manure into the house, not good, okay? I mean, if everybody else's shoes are good, yep, okay, I'm clean. But one person doesn't notice, didn't remember to check, and they track it on in there, everybody suffers. You understand? So we just want to make it out of love for you. We want to make it easier for you to live in a house that doesn't smell like a barn. And so we tell you to do something that's very simple and widely practiced around the world, and that is... Leave your shoes at the door. Okay? Not because it's sinful or ungodly to have shoes on in the house. It's just easier to keep things clean if you don't. Is that clear? But we tell you, that's not God's rule. God doesn't command all people everywhere to remove their shoes when they go in the house. And if you ever go to a house and you don't have to take your shoes off and those other people aren't taking their shoes off, you can know right there that that is not a group of Christians. No, don't be crazy. And likewise, if you go somewhere and you see people and they are wearing unlined swimsuits or they're wearing two-piece swimsuits. If you see a guy in a two-piece suit, that's not godly. Okay? But if you see ladies in two-piece swimsuits, don't be scandalized. Oh, my goodness. She has a belly button. Okay? I can tell you right now, we all have belly buttons. My sister, God rest her soul, went to be with the Lord a year ago this month. My sister was a wonderful Christian, precious person, fabulous solo voice, teenage acne. 
So she wanted to wear makeup. My parents, knowing that that is not a God rule, but only a cultural thing in that place, in that era, said, okay, just don't wear too much. My dad and my mom were horribly criticized because my sister wore makeup. Okay, that just stinks. And that's the kind of dynamic that was going on here. And Jesus says, if that's where your focus is, if that's your standard of godliness, you have completely missed what it means to follow God. Is that clear? If it's all about a bunch of man-made rules, man-made standards, things that are your interpretation, your tradition, but it's not what God says, and you're using that to judge others, you have completely disobeyed God. So, Jesus told these guys, your worship is in vain, according to Isaiah, because your teachings are but rules taught by men. That's what Jesus said to them. He didn't stop there. He called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth doesn't make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And the disciples thought maybe Jesus didn't realize that that offended the religious leaders. They said, Jesus, do you understand that this was upsetting to them? Let me just ask you a question. Do you think Jesus knew that he was upsetting these guys? Of course he did. Do you think he was bothered by the fact that these religious, uptight folk were offended by what he said? Not at all. It was designed to get to them. And it worked. So his response was this. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, they'll both fall in the ditch. That's pretty strong. He's called them hypocrites. He said their their religion is in vain because they are bent on following man-made rules and they ignore God's command. Their heart is not toward God. He says they're blind guides. These were the leaders. And Jesus says, don't follow them. Leave them. Wow. So, Peter says, uh, would you explain the parable to us? And Jesus said, sure. I was hoping you'd ask. Is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus said, are you still so dull? Now, mentors, teachers, house parents, Please don't talk to these kids that way. Jesus wasn't talking to children here. Jesus was talking to a bunch of adults who had been with him, listening to him, and they still were having a problem because they didn't take him at his word. Jesus had already said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. Got it? That's not the problem we have is we ate the wrong thing. What comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. 
And it's not that makes him unclean because it came out of his mouth. It's because when these kinds of things that Jesus is going to list come out of your mouth, it reveals the fact that you are unclean. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so Jesus gives them a list. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Jesus talked about things coming out of the body. Apparently okay in the right context. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. It's not just what we do that matters. It's what we're entertaining in our head. Murder. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Let's just briefly look at this list Jesus gives us. Of the kind of thing that show us that we need a Savior. Jesus talks about evil thoughts. Once again, it's not a sin to be tempted, but when in your mind you're fantasizing about that, meditating on that, and thinking, oh yeah, I wish I could do that, that's sin. That's sin. Evil thoughts. Murder. Jesus had already told them in the Sermon on the Mount. If you hate somebody, you're a murderer at heart. Adultery. Jesus had already told them. If you look at a person to lust after them, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You see, the heart is the battlefield. That is what shows us Oh, I'm in trouble. Woe is me. For I am a man man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. That was Isaiah's prayer. He's saying, the stuff that comes out of my mouth shows I've got a problem. I developed a very bad habit in elementary school of using bad language in certain situations. I don't mean I'd say... Y'all or ain't. I mean, I said bad words. But I didn't say them around my parents. But more and more, it was what was in my heart. I was confronted about it by my dear friend, Sam Thielman. When I was in Montreat, in my early teens, he said, Jim, I know you love the Lord, but would you please read this passage from Colossians and this passage from Ephesians? And I read them, and the Holy Spirit convicted me that there's not supposed to be any kind of obscene speech, any kind of coarse joking, not supposed to go there. And I I was absolutely convicted. I thanked him. I asked God to forgive me, and I began working on cleaning up my mouth, which meant working on cleaning up my heart. I was a Christian. I didn't do this so God would save me. I was saved, but I needed to grow in sanctification. 
becoming more like Jesus. And so in order to quit having a heart and a mind and a mouth full of that stuff, I had to be more careful what I put in through my eyes and my ears. And praise God, I made great progress. But the place where a bad word was most likely to slip out was if something painful surprised me. You hit your thumb with a hammer, okay? Um, You fall and hurt yourself. Something like that. That's when I was most inclined to spill some bad stuff out. You know, if, if you're carrying a cup of something and it gets bumped, what's going to come out of it is what was inside of it, right? And so those circumstances that God would allow in my life occasionally revealed to me what was inside, and it was not pretty. And so I had to be more careful about my diet. Not listening to stuff I shouldn't listen to. Not reading stuff I shouldn't read. And as I did, praise God, it got better. And by the time I was in college, and I went skiing, snow skiing, for the first time. I had never been snow skiing before, but I figured... I've water skied, so I guess I can snow ski. Uh, It's totally different. By that time, I had learned to praise the Lord when something happened. If I got hurt, I would say, praise the Lord, which people thought was nuts. But it was what was coming out because my heart was full of praise for God. So I'm skiing. And I'm not going to give the whole story, but the first time I fell, I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> it really hurt, but, but I'm praising the Lord. And I got my skis back on, and I started again down the slope. And when I fell again the second time, I said, praise the Lord. Still said, praise the Lord, but it wasn't quite as enthusiastic and joyful. I got up, got my skis on again, and I started skiing a third time on the slope. I'd never skied before I was on an intermediate slope. Okay, stupid, stupid. I didn't mean to. I thought I would ride the chairlift up and then see, and that's not the way it works. You ride the chairlift up and you have to jump off, and when you jump off, you're on your way down the hill. Uh, This was a surprise to me. Okay, no one had taught me how to snow plow or how to shush. I didn't know anything, and so the only way I knew to slow myself down was to throw myself down, and it hurt, okay? The third time I fell, you know what I said? I said nothing. And so I didn't put my skis back on. I hiked the rest of the way because I didn't want to go there. You understand? If you want your heart to be filled with the praises of God, start now. Don't wait Start praising God. Start meditating on his goodness. Jesus goes on and he talks about a few other matters. 
He talks not only about adultery, he talks about sexual immorality. Well, aren't those the same thing? No. Well, you're saying adultery isn't sexually immoral? Yes, adultery is sexually immoral, but it is one type of sexual immorality. Jesus says adultery is bad, but so is any other sexual immorality. Please don't miss that. That's why we want you to learn and be able to say, join me please, Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Let's try that again, and this time let me hear you. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Thank you. We want you to understand that because a lot of people will think, well, I know adultery is not okay, but that's like when, when you're having sexual relations with another person's spouse. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Well, what if the two of you are not married? Well, that's sexual immorality. Oh. Well, what if you really love each other? Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is the umbrella term. In fact, the Greek word, pornea, which is the word used here, is the word that is the basis of a huge problem in our culture, porn. So you're saying uh, porn is also not okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what else does he say? Theft. Taking stuff that's not yours. That's why we put a rule in the handbook about if it's not yours, don't touch it. Does that mean you can't set the table? No. If you're told to set the table, you don't have to own the dishes. You can follow instruction. But it means that if you're in a situation where it's like, wow, I really like that. I would like to look at that. I'm wow. If it's not yours, don't touch it. You know why? If you don't touch it, you're not going to break it. You're not going to get fingerprints on it. You're not going to leave it in the wrong place. Just don't touch it. Does God say, if it's not yours, don't touch it? No. He says, if it's not yours, don't take it. Got it? Remember the difference between our rules and God's rules. Our rules are not God's rules. Our rules are just designed to try and help you. But the thing you really need to know is what God says. False testimony. That means lying. Testifying to something as true that is not true. Don't say, oh, no, no, it's not what it looks like. How many times have I heard that? Oh, it's not what you think. Well, why why would I think that? Well, because it probably looked like I was uh, doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. So what were you doing? Uh, I was... uh, Are you about to give false testimony? And one more thing. Slander. We don't really have to talk about that one, do we? Slander is when you are spreading a bad report about other people, and especially if you do it without regard for the truth. It is 
slanderous to say something about someone because you think it might be true. To say something about someone because you heard that about that person. Don't slander people. Jesus says God hates that stuff. Okay, well, Pastor Wood, as you're describing all this, I'm becoming increasingly concerned that apparently I am unclean. Well, that's good, if you've realized that. Because that is precisely why Jesus came, to save sinners. So does that mean I can keep on doing it? No, it means you need to run to the cross and ask him to save you. And he will not only forgive you, but he will begin a work in you to change you from the inside. I was a Christian 14-year-old with a foul mouth on occasion. I was genuinely saved, and I needed to change. I am now a 67-year-old who does not use bad language. It's not even a strong temptation. If I get bumped I am most likely to say either praise the Lord or, what was that? Okay? But here's the thing. I still need to change. I still need to grow. I still need to become more like Jesus. But thank God, he's not finished with me yet. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word with your people. I pray that you would help us to believe what you say and to run to Jesus. Lord, deliver us from evil. We want to be holy, not Pharisees following a bunch of man-made rules, but godly people who delight in you and are eager to do your will. Grant that it may be so, and we will be careful to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.